verse 12. The Bible says in verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, and that ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. You may be seated. A uh, familiar verse here, uh, or familiar phrase, I should say. You ought to underline this in your Bible. Uh, <clears throat> if you look at verse 10 there, uh, he has the phrase increase more and more. If you jump back over to verse 1, he says abound more and more. If you were to turn over to Philippians, uh, he again tells us to abound yet more and more. And there's multiple things that Paul keeps telling us that we are to abound or increase in. In this particular case, he's talking about brotherly love, and he is talking about orderly living. And so when you look at these two things, this is what he's discussing with us. So familiar phrase, more and more, and you see that there, and then Philippians as well. And when I read passages like this, I think about our responsibility, our responsibility as believers. And I read passages such as this, and I say, you know, uh, salvation is a free gift of God, and it's a wonderful gift, and we, heaven becomes our home as a result of our salvation in Christ Jesus. However, I believe through salvation we have a responsibility before our God and how we live and how we behave and the things that we do, how we love one another, how we care about one another, how we uh, live our life, not just inside the church in front of other Christians, but how we live our lives outside this building and in the communities in which we live. And I believe there's a level of responsibility that comes along with our relationship with Christ, and that is we are to abound or increase in our understanding of our Savior. And you look at the Bible and you go back into Philippians and you see that he told them there that they were to abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. And, and the reason that they were to do that, that ye may approve things which are excellent, things that are good, things that are important in our lives, and, and that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. There's a responsibility there. When you read the Bible, don't look at it as just, oh, that sounds pretty good. Look at it in terms of, what is my responsibility about what I've just read? What responsibility do I have back to what I've just read in the Scriptures? As I looked at this, too, I thought about most struggles that come about in our lives do not come by way uh, of, of Christ's relationship with us. They come by way of our own doing all the time. Things that we do wrong, things that we get ourselves involved with, like, but our relationship with Christ should help us to overcome those things. Our relationship with Christ should help us to overcome the problems and the circumstances that we run into in our daily lives. So as we look at this, I'm challenging us with this thought, is your relationship with Christ helping you to become stronger in your faith? And here's the hard part, and to love others and to keep busy. <laughs> to love others and to keep busy. Now, the two steps that he talks about here, one is it's to increase our love uh, for one another, and then to walk honestly toward others. And so just in these four short passages, he gave a lot of uh, insight to how we're supposed to be living, how we're supposed to be caring for one another in just four short passages. So he tells us to increase in your love one for another. And so regarding the subject here, he's talking about a fraternal type love. In other words, uh, because we have a relationship with Christ, because we're in this together, we ought to have this kind of relationship one with another. 
We ought to have that kind of uh, fraternal love. And the message about our behavior is, is that we ought to love one another. But I want you to see something very clear here. I want you to see this because this is the most important part of this message. Notice what it says in verse 9. Ye yourselves are taught of who? God. You ought to underline that in your Bible. You ought to underline that in your Bible. You are taught of God how you're supposed to behave. You are taught of God what you are supposed to do. Now, the fact is, is that the Lord himself has trained them and that they have to, are to have this sincere affection for one another. And we ought to have that one for another as brothers and sisters in Christ, a sincere affection for one another. This is not just a love for those in particular that we love either because he goes on to say, and indeed ye do it toward all the brethren uh, which are in Ma all Macedonia, not just those that are saved, but the unsaved were to have to have a, a, a love for people uh, that would cause them to want to draw to Christ. And so he says this in both cases. So the idea of brotherly love or fraternal love is that we have this common interest. You and I, we have a common interest. His name is Jesus Christ, amen? And so that's our common interest. The world out there doesn't know him, but we also have a common interest in what's going on out there in the world because we've been called by our Savior to be a witness for our Savior, right? So we've been called by him. So we have a common interest even in the lives of the unsaved. And so as saved people, we have this commonality. His name is Jesus Christ. With the unsaved, our commonality is, is that we have this amongst ourselves and we have a message for the lost. And so Jesus gave us this message. And so the common interest and beliefs is that our relationship with Jesus Christ uh, is one that causes us to love one another, but it should cause us to love the lost as well. It's a difficult thing to think about, isn't it? Because there are some people that are just aren't so lovely sometimes, aren't they? Their lives and their lifestyles and their personalities and their behaviors and their attitudes and their spirits. I mean, even family sometimes. It's very disappointing at times, isn't it? And we invest in them when we give and we share the love of God with them and share truth with them and, and turn the corner. I just spoke with a family member today and they said, listen, I'm not trying to offend you, but I believe in astrology. <laughs> And I said, that's wonderful. So do I. I see the stars in the sky. <laughs> but their idea of astrology and my idea of astrology are two different things. They believe that because I was born in a certain month that I behave a certain way. That's insane. How many of you believe that? <laughs> I mean, I was like, I'm listening to this. I'm thinking, they really believe this? But I got to love that person, don't I? Now, I can get into a battle with them, and I can start arguing with them, or I can just talk to them about the love of God and the love of Christ. <laughs> and I can try to reach out to them. How many of you get as frustrated as I do when you're trying to share the gospel or you're trying to share a message of the Lord or you're trying to share uh, uh, verses with people, and it just goes right by them? <laughs> and you say, well, you know, the Bible says, yeah, but you don't know. <laughs> no, I don't. But here's the thing. We've got to love those folks. We've got to try to love them and teach them and keep talking to them about the Lord. Listen, the brotherly love we have one toward another is to, notice what it says, increase more and more. You ought to underline in your Bible. We are to abound in love one toward another. <laughs> Increasing more and more in that area of our life. We're encouraged to excel or to love each other abundantly and more than you think you should. And uh, we could think to ourselves, you know, preacher, you just don't know me. I just simply love too much. One, that's pride. You're in trouble already. <laughs> I just simply love too much. <laughs> And I, I, and I read in the scriptures, and how many of you know this passage in Romans 13, owe no man anything but to? Love. Owe no man anything but to? Love one another. 
The only thing, the only debt we have is to love one another. <laughs> it's hard to explain, but God said it so, and he says, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. <laughs> when you show that kind of love, that fraternal love, that brotherly love one toward another, we're fulfilling God's word. So this is brought up by Paul multiple times throughout his writings, and understand that his writings were moving of the Holy Spirit upon him. So whenever this is said, this is not just Paul talking. This is Paul giving us something that God the Holy Spirit desires for us to know. And, and so we are to love one another. And so as we look at this, this is a fact that God hath taught us, all of us that are saved, to love as he loves, and he is our teacher. I want to share something with you. I found this fascinating as I was doing this uh, Bible study. The, the idea that God taught us, one, it was prophesied that he would teach us. Number two, it was spoken of by Jesus that Jesus said he would teach us. Number three, the Holy Spirit says that he will be our teacher. Number four, it shows up and it's emphasized in the Word of God. And so God continually tells us he is our teacher. Let me share this with you. Here it's prophesied in Jeremiah 31, 34. And they, and they shall teach you no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know him for the, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. God says, and he's prophesying, I'll be their teacher now. There's coming a time. And so Jeremiah didn't experience this the way that we experience it today, where the Holy Ghost comes in and resides in us. He experienced God coming upon his life. But the fact is, is he understood this for sure, that God was going to be the teacher. He's going to be with us continually. Now, wait a minute, Jesus brings this up. And Jesus says uh, this in John 6, 45, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Listen, he said, and they shall be taught of whom? God. Jesus said that. And Paul brings it up here, and he says, listen, you're taught of God how to behave. You're taught of God these things. God teaches you these things. And it's not just a preacher standing at a pulpit or you just reading some ordinary book. We're reading the Scriptures, the Word of God, and God is teaching us as we pick this book up. And then it's confirmed by the Holy Spirit. Think about this in John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. The Bible says now, wait a minute, Jeremiah prophesied it, Jesus said, God is our teacher, and then God sends us the Holy Spirit who is our teacher and will bring all things to our remembrance, whatsoever he said unto us. And then in Hebrews 8.11, it's emphasized in God's word, and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. God reveals himself to man, doesn't he? God reveals himself through his word. God says this in this passage, love one another. Just before that, he said, you yourselves are taught of God to do this. You're taught to behave this way. You're taught to act this way. So what is then the, this teaching us? When I look at this, I'm thinking to myself, and he says, and indeed ye do it to all, uh, toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. Not are we to just love one another, but we ought to have a love for people, for souls. You know the heartbeat of God is the souls of men and women? You know why we do missions? Because God cares about the world as a whole. Amen? 
It's not just here. It, it is all across this globe that God cares. And so we ought to have the heartbeat of God. When I look at this, what is this then teaching us? We're without excuse when it comes to loving one another and loving folks and caring for people because God's our teacher. It's been prophesied. His Son told us. The Holy Spirit reveals it to us. His Word continues to teach it to us. And so what are we to do? We're to love one another. So your relationship in Christ should cause you to become stronger in your faith and to love others. Now let me tell you, even when they're not so lovely, <laughs> we ought to love people, amen? Because sometimes people rub you the wrong way. How many of you know what I mean by the statement I just made? Sometimes people just rub you the wrong way. But that gives us no right to misbehave, does it? It gives us no right to do wrong. And, and, and uh, my pastor used to always say, don't ever do wrong to do right. Don't ever do wrong to do right. And he said, whenever you do wrong to do right, you've done nothing for God. You've only satisfied yourself. <laughs> and he said, always do right. And, and, and the idea is, is that sometimes people aren't so lovely and we're reaching out to them. We're trying to teach them and care about them and show our love of Christ. And listen, they're not so lovely sometimes. But it doesn't negate what God said here. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all of Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase, how? More and more, abundantly, in order to do that. Secondly, this. Some orderly living is called for here by Paul. Paul says how we live matters. You know, how you live is a testimony to other people. You know, to say that you're a Christian and behave like a heathen does not testify of Christ. <laughs> Just to have the words come out of your mouth doesn't mean that's what you are. I remember going on visitation one time. I was in Colonial Beach, and uh, we were <clears throat> out, and I was with Alcova Jones, and we were knocking doors, and we went down to make a visit of someone that had visited with the church, and the gentleman told us that he was saved, and in the very next breath, he blasphemed the name of God. That's tough, and you hear that. And I'm saying to you that there's some orderly living that comes along with being a Christian. How you behave matters to God. The things that you do and the things that you say matter to God. So our life and our lifestyle should be a strong representation of our faith and love for others as well. So the Bible teaches us that we ought to walk honestly toward them. Look at verse 12. You ought to underline that in your Bible. Walk honestly toward, toward them that are without. In other words, those that are not saved, those that are non-Christians, how should we behave around them, right? So when you look at that passage, God clearly teaches us something in this. Now, before we get to that, I want you to think about this, and that you study to be quiet. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? You study to be quiet, and uh, I like it quiet when I study, but you think about the way this is phrased. You study to be what? Quiet. Isn't that what that says? Now, when you think about something like this, as you read these passages, we can see that there were an increase in that love, but the word study here, and you ought to write this out in your margin, it's to be ambitious. It's to aspire. That's what that word meant. To be ambitious and to aspire to be quiet or hold your peace. Avoid meddling, especially in the area of your speech, things you say. He said, study to be quiet. In other words, we study God's Word not so that we can be brass and bold and yell and scream and do all those things. It's so, he said, study to be quiet. Aspire to hold your tongue. Aspire not to speak just when you want to. This is about orderly living now. He said, we're to love these people. <laughs> Amen. 
And I can't imagine what they were going through over there in Macedonia. I can't imagine the things that they were facing. I can't imagine what it must have been like. But he said, hold your tongue. Be careful with the things that you say. And he said this, we are to increase or work abundantly at holding our tongue, which is difficult for many of us, isn't it? <laughs> How many of you say, man, I'm great at holding my tongue? <laughs> How many of you can really bite your tongue? How many of you heard that phrase, bite your tongue? In other words, shut your mouth, right? Don't say anything. That's hard to do because my tongue wants to get in the way of everything I do. <laughs> and it's hard to hold on to that thing, isn't it? Man, something gets said, and we're like vipers. <clears throat> comes right out. Venom and all. And, and the thing of it is, is that he's saying study to be quiet, which is difficult for many of us, yet this type of conduct is what the Lord expects of us. He expects us to be quiet. <laughs> he expects us to do those things. We are to increase or work abundantly at holding that tongue. When Paul states to do your own business, this is to practice this act of holding your peace and habitually perform this action. Now, I'll tell you what we're habitual at, running our mouths. <laughs> Just say amen at that point. I'm with you on it. <laughs> amen. We all run our mouths, don't we? We talk more than we should. We say things we ought not say. And God says, that is not the conduct that I want to see in your life. It should be just the opposite of that. You should learn to hold your tongue. And so when Paul states to do your own business, we're to avoid getting ourselves intertwined in unnecessary matters in others' lives just to pass on information or to gossip. This is what he's talking about. And with the social networking that goes on today, you know the gossip that goes on, right? I mean, it's insane what people say today. I'm glad I'm off of Twitter. I told the guys that I was on Twitter with, <clears throat> they said, what are you going to do, start writing notes and letters again? I said, man, it'd be better than what I see on social media today. We got more brethren fighting over brethren than you can shake a stick at anymore. And everybody's got their crawl on somebody else's problems. And I said, man, enough. If I could do away with Facebook, I'd do that. They said, what are you going to do? You're going to go back to the old ages? I said, yeah. At least I know where the note's going, right? <laughs> so, let me give you a couple of verses here. And this is what he's talking about. Walk honestly toward others. He's talking about our actions, our, our conduct, our way of living. Second Thessalonians, he gets over there and he has to deal with this subject again. It's in chapter 3, verse 11. He makes a statement. He says, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. And what Paul was trying to tell him here, and we'll get into this next week because, you know, you get to the rapture in verse 13 and on, and what he was trying to tell them is, you need to keep yourself busy. What they decided to do, and I think that's happening in our society today because Bernie Sanders has a great message for us, doesn't he? Everything's free. And, uh, but here Paul said, hey, keep working. Keep busy. He said, you guys have missed the message of Jesus Christ. He didn't say stop working and stand back and wait for him to come. He said, get busy, right? Do your job, do your work, keep yourself busy, keep out of other people's matters. Boy, if we just listened to this, we'd be in great shape today. And he said that you might live lacking nothing now. I want you to get a hold of this. For we hear that there are some among you, who walk, among you walking uh, disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. They let go of their jobs. They just quit working altogether. And said, well, we're just going to hang back and wait. Guess what happened to them after that? Just the very thing that he said they started doing, they became what? Busybodies. What's a busybody? They're running around all the time gossiping about everything. 
always yammering and talking about other people because they got nothing else to do. And they're busy doing those kinds of things. Let me give you another one. 1 Peter 4.15, I think this one is the heaviest verse I've seen in the Bible because the way he lumps this together, it scares me to death to think people get themselves involved in stuff like this. He says in 1 Peter 4.15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer. You ready for the next one? Or as a busybody in other men's matters. He lumps that person in with murderers, in with thieves, and I'm saying evildoers, murderers, and thieves, and busybodies are all lumped together. Whew! Now, if that's not heavy, I don't know what is. When he tells us how we conduct ourselves in living orderly and in an orderly fashion, how we're conducting ourselves, one of the things he says, don't be a busybody in other men's matters. I'm telling you today, one of the biggest problems in most Christians' lives is we're so busy in other people's lives, we don't even know what's going on in our own. And we become nosy and busybodies in other people's lives. And he says in here, and this is Peter speaking, but it's going back to what Paul is presenting to the church here at Thessalonica. He's saying, stop all this nonsense. But we are commanded to do this, to work with your own hands. <laughs> and he says in there, work with your own hands as we commanded you. He said, work with your own hands. In essence uh, of this passage, it's truly that we maintain a testimony not among just believers, but unbelievers. When we're out and about, we need to be careful. We need to show the love of Christ, and the conduct in our life matters to God. And God said, don't be busybodies. Now, here's the thing. Some of you, when you work jobs, secular jobs, you're out there in the world, you can become intertwined in the same secular nonsense that they're involved in. You can get into discussions that are ungodly. You can get into conversations that are not healthy spiritually for you. You can become intertwined in those things with the very people that you work with. And what you should be is a testimony to those people and not a reason for them to turn from Christ, but a reason for them to turn unto Christ. How many of you understand what I'm sharing with you tonight? Amen? Amen? And we ought to have that kind of behavior in our lives. Now, as we look at this, Paul was teaching that we're not to become freeloaders, but to be busy with our work. However, we're to do it with quietness of mind. That's what he's talking about. A quietness of mind, a quietness of heart, having an inner peace that enables us to be sufficient through faith in Christ, and then we're to display Christ. We're to show the love of Christ. We're to do all that we can to draw people to Christ. We don't become them. We're out among them, but we don't become them. And he's telling us to be careful. Contact doesn't mean you need to become contaminated. <laughs> Contact means that you're out there so that you can reach them with the gospel. And so many people become contaminated because they're making contact. <laughs> and God wants us to do something very different than that. And so as we look at this, he says to go out and do these things. This is us conducting ourselves in such a way that demonstrates that we're not like the world in our actions, but different. Staying busy, but working with a quietness of spirit is what the Bible teaches us. That we go about our business. I was sharing with someone, and, and, and listen, uh, I, I'm not lifting myself up at all. I'm lifting up my Savior. On my lunch hour, when I worked for Allstate, I used to go to lunch. I'd take my Bible with me. And I'd read my Bible, and I'd do my Bible study at lunchtime because it was my time. I could do whatever I want. And I had a young man come down there and watched me do this. Now, he didn't get saved, but 
He wanted to know why I was doing that. <laughs> he said, I watch you come down here every day and you open your Bible and you pray and listen to me. You could be a testimony on your job. You could be a testimony on your job. You don't have to become what those people are. You have to be a testimony to what you are so that those people might be drawn to Christ. Orderly living, conducting ourselves in such a fashion that they're drawn to Christ. I had a gentleman named Jim DeLong. He was my friend John Bennett's boss. I was working in the corporate office, and, and I was at my lunch, and I was reading my Bible now, and Jim DeLong comes down, and he's different than the other fellow I was sharing with you, but Jim comes down, and I'm reading my Bible. And Jim and I had to go out and we had to buy gifts for Allstate for the sales team. And we go out and, and, and they gave us the corporate credit card to go buy all these gifts for all these salespeople. And so we went out with that corporate card and we were buying, and we were buying gifts. We got to this one location. I don't know if they're around here, but there's a place called the Macaroni Grill. And we went to the Macaroni Grill. And when I walked in there, Jim said, I got to run to the restroom. Here's the card. Go get us some gift cards. They told me I had to go over to the bar to get the gift cards. Miss Carol, I didn't go over. I stopped. <laughs> Jim DeLong came out and said, did you get the gift cards? I said, no, I didn't. He said, why? I said, you have to buy them at the bar. He said, well, go over and get them. I said, no. He said, why not? I said, because the God I serve won't let me go over to a bar. <laughs> He said, here, give me the card. He took it off of me and he went over. He bought the gift cards. We got out. Man, he was yammering at me the whole time. I don't know why. I was in the restroom. You could have had this done. We could have left. We could have, I don't know. I mean, he's just yelling at me. He said, what did you say again? Who is this God you serve? I said, his name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> so when we got back, by the time we got back to the office, I had talked him to prisoner to death about Jesus. And whenever I got back to the office, I wrote down on a sheet of paper because he had to run. I just put the Romans road on a sheet of paper. James, about four days later, he came to my office. I had a little cubicle. I say office. I had a cube, right, and a chair. <laughs> and he came in there, and he said, hey, 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 I did what you said. I did what you said. And I was like, I was confused. I had no idea what he was talking about. I said, you did what? He goes, no, no, no. Remember, you gave me those verses, those things. He said, I did what that said. I said, what'd you do? He said, I prayed like you told me to. I said, what happened? He said, I, I, I don't know. I think I'm going to heaven. I said, let's go to lunch. We left. Went over to lunch with him and sat down with him. I had forgotten I even gave him the verses. I want to tell you, there's power in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Jim DeLong comes over and he's telling me all about this. I said, so what'd you do? He said, well, I just prayed and I told him, I don't want to die and go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I said, well, praise the Lord. I know the guy got saved. <laughs> he said, I want you to come to my house. I want you to tell my wife she's a Buddhist. Wow. There's power in God's word, isn't there? Yeah. And it all started just because I was reading my Bible. That's a powerful testimony to God, isn't it? Not me. His word's powerful. Hey, when you testify to people, you testify to people by the way in which you live, <laughs> how you conduct yourselves. The reason that we behave in such a manner or in our conduct is that we demonstrate a strong testimony for Christ and that we are strong in our faith. We're not to go about creating problems or making uh, uh, difficult situations inside our job. 
We still need to make a living, amen? And I'm not saying stir up trouble. That's not what Paul was telling them to do. He said, do it with quietness of heart and mind. You go about it. Listen, your life can testify to other people. The words that come out of your mouth, how you behave and respond to difficult situations testifies of God. (laughs) And so I share with you, your conduct matters. And so we want to honor Christ. And so have a testimony that would honor Christ, that would honor your church. It would give that statement of faith, if you will, to a lost and dying world. (laughs) Paul strongly encouraged these at Thessalonica to walk honestly toward them that are without. This is to conduct yourself in such a way that they see the testimony of Christ in your life. This would be so that your life is what I would consider a walking testimony for Jesus. (laughs) Do people see Christ in your life? Or do you behave just like they do? Do you say the same things that they do? Do you get yourself involved in the foolish jokes that they tell? Or do you get yourself intertwined with the meddling and the gossip that's on the job? Do you find yourself involving yourself in those kinds of things and talking behind other people's backs and putting other people down to build yourself up? I mean, if you are a Christian, don't get intertwined in that stuff. Avoid those things. Get away from it. Stay away from it. At Thessalonica, what happened was most Greeks despised work. (laughs) Most of the work was performed by slaves. So they despised work as it was. So they wanted to just become freeloaders and hang out till Jesus come, and they missed the message. But Paul told him, he said, hey, I just, you know, Paul just continued to be a tent maker. He was trying to be an example to him, wasn't he? He continued on to work to show that you still have to perform your duties. And there were many non-Christians, and they were cautioned to use spiritual grace and wisdom. And folks, we need to do that. I call it contact without contamination. We've got to make contact. We don't have to become contaminated we got to go out and we got to tell them, but we don't have to become them. <laughs> and what God wants you to do on your job, and the people that you run into, the people that you're around, you don't have to become what they are to win them. Believe me, you don't. You want to be just the opposite. Because there'll come a time when there's that moment when something happens in their life, and they're going to look to you because you are the only example of Jesus Christ they've ever seen. And you say, well, I'm not perfect. I'm not. I know, we're not. But do your very best not to get intertwined in secular things. (laughs) Avoid those things. Stay away from those things. Conduct yourself in a fashion. Now, I notice this. He says here, and that ye may have lack of nothing. Isn't that an interesting statement? He said, don't get intertwined in all that foolish stuff because you could end up without because of what you're doing. (laughs) You can put yourself out. And what he's telling you is live a life that's orderly. Live a life. (laughs) 